0: kindness is infectious you know you get that hit of oxytocin which is the feel-good drug which we all want and and the ripple effects of this are amazing
1: that's dale sidebottom more on the power of play coming up next welcome to happily ever active where we crack the consistency code with fitness tips on motivation mindset and much much more now here's your host author of feel like it and the guy with the silent o kelly dell Welcome everyone. We're back at it with another interview edition of the show. But before we crack in, if you want to support Happily Ever Active, there's a new way to do it. You can now become a patron on Patreon and your contribution can help me as I continue to upgrade the show. So give that a thought as we crack into today's episode. That link is in the show notes. In the meantime, give me a follow on Instagram at kelly.dell, that's D-O-E-L-L, or on Facebook, just search Happily Ever Active in the search bar. Now, I have to say, life has been a lot of fun in our house since I interviewed my guest today. We chatted, I'd say about six, seven weeks ago, and afterwards, he thoughtfully sent me a gift. Originating in Australia, the package had a ways to travel, but I was pretty happy when it arrived. I have in front of me one of my guest's special creations, and they're called Mission Cards. There are 40 in the deck, and each give a specific task to perform. They've got cartoonish characters on them and each come with a set of instructions, some very open-ended, and they're really designed to encourage play, whether you're a teacher, a coach, a parent, or even if you're a fitness leader. And I'm sure there are many other applications, but since they've arrived, our household has been putting them to the test, even adapting some of them on the fly, because of course, when you've got a four-year-old, that's kind of what happens. I've plucked actually... Two out of the deck, two of the more popular ones in our house, and at least according to my daughter. And I wanted to describe them to you to set the context for today's show. And the first one is called Sneaky Sneaky. And there's uh, an image of a ninja on the top. And it says, Today, your mission is to try and hide like a ninja and scare as many people as possible. The more people you scare, the better. And card number two is called Animal Master, and this is probably the most popular in our house. It reads, today on the hour, every hour, your mission is to pick a different animal and behave like that animal for 20 seconds each time. These are just two examples of a deck filled with creative games to promote play and physical activity simultaneously. And some of the other mission names are called things like Balloon Tapper, where you see how long you can keep a balloon in the air, or uh, another one's called Dance Floor, where you create your own dance from scratch. So these are all simple, doable tasks tucked in a tidy little sack, and they're right at your fingertips. And typically, they don't involve many materials or very much equipment at all. And I just love them. And for transparency, I have no affiliation with this product whatsoever. And this is not a paid ad or anything like that. I'm just a fan of my guests' work, and so is my family. And What about their creator? Well, let's meet Dale Sidebottom, who's the founder of Jugger Life, the company responsible for these mission cards, and also the founder of the website called Fitness Games Zone, which is a wonderful resource for injecting fun into fitness. And let's face it, boredom is a real challenge when it comes to exercise, but so is coming up with new ideas to spice things up, especially if you're in some form of leadership role. Well, Dale has done a lot of the creative heavy lifting for you. And I was introduced to Dale through a mutual friend. And after appearing on his popular podcast called Energetic Education, I immediately knew we needed to swap places. So today, let's talk about the power of play in active living with Dale Sidebottom. Dale, you have so many things going on that are intriguing, that fit so well with the philosophy of happily ever active And I want to dive into them. But before I do, what sort of things do you get up to on a regular basis to keep you physically active or happily active on a regular basis?
0: Kelly, thanks for having me, mate. I'm really excited to be here and uh, repay the favor after your fantastic interview on my podcast. But um, for me, mate, uh, movement is the key. When I'm not moving, my body is normally when I'm the most unhappy. So uh, every morning, I make sure I I get up quite early. um, And part of my routine is um, I love to start my day off with 100 burpees. And for some reason... I. I don't know what it is, but when I do that, I just feel good. It's like I've already achieved something for the day. So um, I'll do that. I also run a fitness company uh, in Melbourne, Australia. So uh, I run a number of boot camp sessions outdoors and also personal training sessions. So I am quite active and moving a lot in those sessions. Um, But I also try and do little bits before and after sessions just to uh, sort of, do something for myself because it's uh, what you what will find in anybody out there that, you know, provides a service that helps other people. It's all well and good, but you need to also be helping yourself. So yeah, that's basically for me, uh, my daily routine that um, the burpees for me alone, are the way I start my day and really set it up to dominate.
1: So you know what? I, I'm just doing the quick math in my head here and uh, the difference between you and I, and it sounds like you're about, you know, doing about 700 burpees a week. And that's 700 more than I do. So congratulations <laughs> on that. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> but I want to point out something that you really that really caught my eye right away is that you know you're, as someone who is in physical education and, and your personal training and all of these things, you still got to carve out some time for yourself uh, rather than just sort of always assisting or, or educating others. It's important to have time for yourself, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's so true. And, and one thing I found is that people, I used to compare myself to people a lot and they'd be saying, oh, you move a lot, you do a lot. And um, I, for me, it's not about what I do or what other people do. It's just things that I've found that work for me. And um, when you, like you just said, when you are providing a service and when you are helping out other people, it's very easy to sometimes, you know, become a little bit tired or forget about your own needs. And I found, Kelly, when I was super busy And I've got a lot of things on that I was, you know, neglecting myself a little bit and I wasn't at my peak because I was giving all all my energy to others. So the one thing I do is is that morning part of my day. And yeah, it's 100 burpees, but um, it's like anything, the more you do it, the better you become at it. And it, it doesn't take as much energy or time now, but that's my time. And I find that is so important. And people say with your busy life, everything you do what's the most important thing. And for me, that is getting up early and it is giving myself that time to set up my day. And that way then I can be of service to others.
1: It sounds a lot like that analogy of uh, put the, put the mask on yourself before putting it on others. You know, that that, there's a lot of uh, merit to that. Now, Right away, I know the listeners can tell that Dale brings the energy he 's a part of <laughs> uh, he he he's got his- po- like he mentioned the podcast that I guessed it on a while back called the energetic education podcast and you can right away get that vibe from from you but what i 'm really curious about too is here you are you you've got your hands in a lot of pies, and we 'll talk about that. but how did this sort of passion cultivate like if we go back and talk about little Dale growing up, where were the seeds of this if there were any that you can recall?
0: Yeah, I suppose growing up, I grew up in uh, country Victoria in Australia and it was just all about outdoors, outside all the time, playing sport all year round. I tried a number of different sports. And I suppose one of the big things I talk about a lot is that we pigeonhole kids these days to focus on one sport and be really good at and I think mm-hmm. I was very fortunate Kelly that I got to try a number of different sports and you know that was my upbringing that growing up in the country um, not in a big city that life sort of rolled around sports and sporting clubs and um, I'm very grateful for that upbringing and um, after I finished high school I went and studied for four years to become a physical education teacher which I absolutely loved and through that as well I um, did my personal training course and I, I never thought I'd use it. But yeah, then I lived overseas. I lived in London for three years and uh, taught over there and traveled around and everything like that. And when I got back to Australia, I released my first mobile app. Um, and that was really about just making movement fun and mixing that with learning And from there, I just sort of got this little bit of a bug that I had all this extra time. I was still teaching and I was doing that really well and enjoying it. But um, I had this time in the morning and at evenings and I'm quite motivated. So um, I started a personal training company. I started making more apps and it just sort of all evolved. And what I found was that, I was teaching and then people had asked me to come and present on the weekends and my life just got a little bit crazy and and out of all that I thought, well, I'm quite energetic. I'm in education. So I put two and two together and started a company (laughs) called Energetic Education Gallions. It's not really rocket science, mate. It's pretty straightforward and, yeah, now I'm – been very fortunate for the last three years. I travel around the world um, helping trainers, teachers and corporates on obviously just making movement fun and getting more of that in your day. And I think I've been over to about 20 countries now and and that's still counting. So uh, for me, movement is the key. And if you can mix that with learning, um, if you can mix that into your workplace, at home, wherever you are, because what I find, Kelly, and I know you're exactly the same, is that when people are moving, they're normally happy.
1: I think we are absolutely we share that value the other thing that I'm very curious about too that I think we have interest in is this idea of developing tools to support that because a lot of times and I know you've encountered this and I certainly have encountered this that uh, sometimes it's really difficult to go about it on your own and uh, and and you know you make yourself an island and you try and grind away and trying to figure out this whole idea of regular physical activity but there are, these days, there are so many tools out there. And this has been clearly a, uh, a pathway you've taken. So tell me a little bit about the tools. And I want to I want to discuss one in particular, because it has a lot of relevance for, you know, younger, younger people as well. So tell me a little bit about your, your tools, these, these apps and these games that you've, you've put a lot of time into.
0: As I said, I I think um, when you find something, you really enjoy doing it. And for me, I'm a huge believer in creativity and that's everybody's got certain things that they're very creative at or um, that they really enjoy doing. And that's my passion. And one of the things is I've always really enjoyed creating games. And that doesn't matter if it's in the classroom, if it's for a sports session, if it's for a fitness session, for anything like that, I want to make it into a game because For me growing up at school, I can't really remember sitting down and enjoying a lesson, but what I do remember are a certain couple of teachers that turned everything into a game. They made it fun and when you're playing you're in flow you're not thinking about anything else you're having so much fun and you're learning so for me i'm like i i want to create more of these and i got a little bit of addicted to it and as i said i've created one app and then i thought well this is pretty cool so i created another 30 um from there i had all these games coming. i'm like well that's sort of when like netflix and stan come in i'm like well, this is really cool you know you can go on there you don't have to leave the house you can search for a movie it is so easy and they're in categories and everything like that so i started recording and putting all my games into pdfs and then i realized i had over three four hundred of these and, and a lot of them were just sort of movement games and fitness games and then i had educational games and i had like icebreaker and team building games so i had all these different categories i think it was about 16 of them and i thought let's put that into a a, a site that really is similar to Netflix so then when people like teachers or trainers or just uh, parents or anybody that want to go out and find a game to incorporate some form of learning or movement or anything like that so I put all of them into a site called the fitness game zone and that went really well and then I was like well they may not understand how to play the games Kelly so then I went and Recorded videos, instructional videos, or me running the sessions for each of the games. And it's been a huge, huge uh, sort of workload, but one that, you know, and you're the same, you know, with. If- when I remember when you're saying you're writing your book and also doing this podcast and everything you're doing that when you're doing something you're love or you're so passionate about that it doesn't actually feel like you're working and for the last four and a bit years I've been building the fitness games and I think we've got over 650 games now each one's got videos explainers printable pdfs you name it it's yeah it's become a real sort of passion of mine and what I've done is all the games and activities I created for those apps of 30 uh over the years I've now put all of them in there as well so really It's your one-stop shop for learning, movement, and fun.
1: Oh man, I can totally respect the uh, time and energy intensiveness of that whole process, but you know, it, it, work, it pays off, you know, this database is growing and you're getting this feedback, I'm sure, and you're testing things out and that whole creative process. I mean, clearly the, the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit in you is strong. So has, has there been any times in this whole process where you're building the, these databases that you've, you've kind of got like, man, I need to take a break? Oh, oh big time, mate. People
0: see say- you know, all this stuff that I'm creating and things I'm doing, Kelly, and they think that I'm just always happy and upbeat and things like that. But no matter, I do have uh, down times and, and I have gone through periods in my life where I've worked too hard. I, I always used to compare myself to others. And um, don't get me wrong it, It's probably a double-edged sword here that that has really helped me get where I am because I was so driven, but it also really set me back as well because I'd never allow myself to be happy. I'd always be like, "I'll happy when I get this. I'll happy when I get this promotion. I'll be happy when I create this." And I never allowed myself to sort of celebrate those wins. I'd always be moving on to the next thing. So yes, for you know those four years while I've been doing this, it's been a huge roller coaster. I'd go up and down, but. The one thing that I has uh, been a saviour for me is like we just, and it always comes back to exactly what you mentioned at the start. And like this podcast is happily ever active. If I don't do my morning routine, then I'm sort of chasing my tail for the rest of the day, and what I find is that those are the days that I do get stressed, or I, you know, I start doubting myself, or I start those demons in my head start coming out again. Go, Dale, what are you doing? People aren't going to enjoy this. They're not going to be want a part of your memberships. Like they, they don't like your games. You should go back to teaching. You should, and all these things go around and round and round. So, I believe that everybody needs some form of morning routine to set up their day that is their time only, nobody else. And if you don't have time in the morning, get up earlier. You know, don't, don't sit around at night, go to bed earlier and get that time into you. Because for me, Kelly, if I don't do that in the morning, then yes, I normally have stressful days. I normally doubt myself. And um, I think that's normal human nature. And, and you'd know better than anyone, particularly writing a book, are people going to read this? Everybody doubts and it doesn't matter what your profession is, what you're doing. Do, do you go through those periods, particularly when oh, you're writing sure. your book, mate? Oh, yeah. for
1: sure. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, it's completely resonating the idea of the morning routine and everything. And maybe it's just a, uh, just the wisdom of age (laughs) that comes with it or, and some of it is necessity with, uh, you know, you know, becoming a parent and whatnot. But I've certainly valued the morning work, physical work and, uh, you know, the meditation, the meditative work. First thing, starting the day off uh, with that, in your pocket putting it in your pocket and uh you know here in ottawa there's a lot of free community fitness which i talk a lot about in the show and they're they you know some of them are really early some of these uh, these groups uh start off really early and it's just been a refreshing part of of uh of the weekly routine to have these things to go to and and yeah i can i can completely relate to that and how that morning setting you know the morning win is so important and you know as a younger guy you know early 20s i don't think i would have uh uh, you know, I wouldn't have, I would, uh, I think, I mean, I certainly did not respect the mornings in that way. And I was just, you know, clawing for extra sleep, extra sleep. But now I think it's a little bit different given, you know, life circumstances, but also what you want to accomplish in your day and how you want to accomplish it and being fresh and uh, feeling fresh and feeling healthy mentally and physically, you know?
0: Yeah. So, so, so true. And I I think it's, um I, I get a question asked a lot, Kelly, that um what's something you wish you could have I've been better at and and my big thing is listening and I think it comes back to like you just said treasuring the mornings I think it's something that you can only get better at with age it's not something that you I'm sure some people out there a small minority you know get up early as like in in their teenage years in their 20s and they dominate every day and they might be extremely motivated but for me I was exactly the same as you mate that that my alarm would go off and I'd snooze I'd snooze I'd snooze and it, it sort of comes back to listening as well that With time, I think you realise the importance of these skills that you may not have when you were younger. So, yeah, for me, like you just said, mate, that life gets chaotic, so that's why that morning is crucial.
1: I have to add, though, for the listeners who have heard, is I do have three alarm clocks in this. Actually, I probably have four. I've got one on my phone. <laughs> I've got, I've got two canines and a four-year-old. So, I mean, the chances of me ever clawing for extra sleep are really slim these days. At least successfully doing that. So, I have to put that caveat in there. That, but it certainly has you know all of these things uh, in consideration. I, I I certainly respect that message of getting thing doing something for you early. Right when you get up to set the tone for your day, because it helps you be a better person, professional, whatever it is that would you value. It helps you be better and feel better, and feeling better is a, is a key cog in that. And I have, I, I one of the things too when I'm I'm going through your work, I've been following you on Twitter, on Instagram, and I'll link to Dale's um, coordinates in the in the show notes. One of the, the themes, the messages that keeps coming up is like happiness, play, and so why is it? Why are you pushing this? To the forefront of what you do? Oh, it was about four years ago now, maybe four and a half years ago, that I
0: was 30 years old, I was divorced had nowhere to live and I really like like it was a pretty rough period in my life and I really looked at all these different things I was doing and things that I thought would make me happy and they weren't you know like items possessions uh and like I said I'd be happy when I buy these things I do these things and I wasn't a good person Kelly I wasn't the person I wanted to be so I slowly started piecing puzzle bits to get my life back on track and one of the things I found every day I needed to play I needed to have some form of playing and when I started mixing that with a, a movement activity game, so some form of like a fitness game, um, I was ticking off two things. So I was playing, I was connecting with others, and I was also moving my body. Um, and then from there, I started practicing gratitude. And then the last key to that puzzle was I started doing some form of kindness every day. And that's where the, the latest sort of project I've, I've come up with called Hygge Life, which means play in Spanish. So it's all about doing these four things daily and it really Allows you to have a really good day, and not only that, but kindness is infectious. You know, you get that hit of oxytocin, which is the feel-good drug, which we all want. And and the ripple effects of this are amazing. So my thing is now that I need to do those four things daily, and I've started this business that I'm really passionate about it because Kelly, we look at young kids, and I'm sure you're a four-year-old that playing all day, running around, not a care in the world. And if you look at a primary school, that's what all the kids are doing. They're having so much fun; they don't care about anything. But for some reason, mate, the do we get we stop playing life starts taking over we get a family we get a mortgage we get Pets, we get dogs, we get we get a job, we get all these different things, and we don't have time to play. So, my thing is, I want to make it so people realize how important this is, even 10 minutes a day. And I call it play-based mindfulness because when you are in flow, when you were playing one of these games, like a little team building game, an icebreaker that you could play anywhere, you are not thinking about anything, you were so present, it's not funny. And and for me, that was a catalyst that turned everything around for me. And, and I'm such a better person now. I listen, it's not all about me Um, and my thing is now I want to make other people happy Um, I'm trying to get that message out there I'm trying to make other people not see it but just feel it because when you feel something you're going to want to do more of it
1: well done <laughs> documenting that whole process from, you know, some time of struggle to what you value. And it's interesting about the play stuff too, because there's lots of research also that supports this clearly, which I know you're familiar with, but the, how, how play erodes as we get older. And I, I kind of make this thing, uh, you know, it can get school, school, eventually schooled out of us. We start off even in school in elementary school where play becomes is, is such a huge facet. I mean, my, my kids in junior kindergarten, it's all play all day it's just different kind of play based uh, activities that's what they but eventually you kind of grow older and as you get go through school that kind of uh, dwindles and and mo- even motivational pathways change there's some research on how Intrinsic motivation lessons as you know you you climb through the ranks of school and then we're left kind of as adults you know doing things for other people or our happiness is always externalized and we're not doing things that we enjoy as much or at least we're not necessarily valuing that as much as we we need to and and so this idea of play and preserving it and trying to protect it a little bit through movements makes total sense to me and one of the things in your work you've got daily mission cards and can you tell. Listers a little bit about what daily mission cards are and how they came about.
0: I've never created uh, like a, a physical product and they've all been like apps or digital products. So I wanted to create something that, uh, you know, you can see, you can keep, you can move around. And one of the things i found with this Sugar Life is that I've been going to a number of schools, workplaces, sports clubs, everything like that. And when I leave, my message is, you know, be kind or do nice things, but it's too open ended. And I found that people... When you have one mission to focus on, it's easier to do. Like, for example, today, you know, send a nice message to one of your friends telling them why you're proud of them. Or today, put somebody else first. Leave a positive sticky note. Just little things like that. But when you've got one thing to focus on, it's achievable. So... I started jotting down all these different random acts of kindness, not only random acts of kindness, but practicing a little bit of gratitude for yourself and self-appreciation. So I ended up coming up with 40 missions and I call them missions because um, I'm really big into gamification to make it so people sort of forget what they're doing. And so what happens is in this deck is that you get a mission and it might take you a day, might take you two days, might take you a week to complete, but when you complete that mission, then you've got like a bingo card or a connect thing. you cross it off and you get Another one, and so I created the first deck. It was called um, a Happiness and Kindness Deck, and what I found was it was working really well. And I think at the moment uh, we're nearly in forty countries around the world, which is really mind blowing. It's, it's oh, unbelievable. Yeah. It is, and but then I found that that wasn't ticking all the boxes in what I feel you need in each day. It wasn't doing the play side of things or the movement. So then we created uh, with Richard Cheatham, um, who is based in the UK, um, a professor, and he, and he really specialises in play, and we've done a lot of work together. We had a few meetings over Skype and we created a creative play and movement deck and it's based on the rainbow. There's seven different colours in the rainbow and there's seven different play types. And we sort of took these from Dr. Stuart Brown's book Play and I'm sure a lot of people have read it, which is amazing. And they're different play challenges that you can go and do it so now there's two different decks uh you take it in turns of getting one from each and basically what they're trying to do is allow people uh in a non-threatening way to do something that might normally be a vulnerable task because they have this card because it's a game that it's okay to probably do something that they may not do put themselves out there and what we've found is that we originally had them made on just card so just paper but then when we're trialing them in schools and workplaces they were they weren't lasting so um, we've had a company make them so they're really professional they look really nice and they're having some great results
1: yeah, that's so cool. I just love the creativity involved. And and not only that, you talk about checking boxes, it really checks a lot of the academic research on this area too. I mean, you know, the idea of self-reflection, living with intention and, and uh, you know, principles of play. And it just, it seems like it's a uh, real, real powerful uh, little tool here and has an elegance to it because it's really, you know, simple. I mean, you've, you've come up with these ideas you've, you know, over several years, I mean, the process might not have been simple. <laughs> but the, actual, the, way the output of it has come off so clean and simple like that. And so I'm curious, I have to ask, because you've, you're you mentioning how many games and activities you've sort of collected over the years. Do you have a couple of favorites that stick out that you pull out in workshops or you use as examples that you particularly enjoy?
0: One of the the biggest things I do in all of my workshops is. Um, I've got games that, you know, require hardly any instruction. I'll give you a couple of now. And and what these games do is that it's not about winning or losing. None of the games are about winning or losing. It's just about participating, having fun. And what you find with these activities, guys, is you, if, as a presenter, I sit back and I listen and all I hear is laughter. And for me, that is amazing. If you can start... Any session you're doing, and it doesn't matter where you are. Even if you've got kids at home, if you could start your day with one of these games, amazing. If you're a school teacher, do it. If you're in a board meeting, because how boring a meeting? Kelly, let's be honest. We go to all these meetings. We sit down. It's the same routine all the time. So I say to people, start a meeting with a game, and the energy is infectious. It flows on. People will remember your meeting. People will remember exactly what you're doing, and they will because you've done something different that nobody's done before. So. Um, a couple of them are really simple. This one's called one, two, three. I actually got this from Ryan Alice from the PE Umbrella, which is a, a fantastic podcast. But it's very simple. So in pairs, Kelly, if myself and you were playing, level one, we just need to count to three. So I'd say one, you'd say two, I'd say three. Then you'd say one, I'd say two, I'd say three. And as we go, we try and get faster. And now that sounds really simple. But what you will find is that that actually becomes quite hard and people struggle with that all right so that's level one you let them play for about 30 seconds and you stop everyone then level two this time we're going to do exactly the same process but instead of saying the number one we're going to clap all right so it'd be a clap two three clap two three and we keep repeating that process after a while that is quite hard because people are trying to say one but then they're like clapping and they're clapping when they're not and so forth then i said that everybody's mucking up which again allows people to realize that it is okay to make mistakes it's okay to be vulnerable that is what we're going to do in today's session and then we go to level three this time one stays as a clap two reduces a number, no number, and you need to bow, and three stays the same as a number. So it's clap, bow, three, clap, bow, three. And as you can see, if you try and do that really fast, there's all these different movements. Your brain is going all over the place. You're like, (laughs) what is going on? You're not thinking about anything else. You're so present, Kelly, it's crazy. Anyway, then the last level, level four, very simple. There is no numbers at all. So it's one is a clap, two is a bow, and instead of saying three, you put your hands in the air. And again, what you'll hear after that, that game goes for better two minutes max done over now if anybody tells me they don't have time in a PE lesson in a classroom in a meeting at home to play a two-minute game to build fun excitement laughter energy they are kidding themselves because that game is a proven winner. And the best thing about it is, at the end of it, Kelly, I'd say, "All right, who laughed then?" Everyone puts their hand up. I said, "Beautiful." Okay, who made a mistake then? And everyone puts their hand up. And I go, "Great, that's what I want today." And it doesn't matter what we're doing. I want you to laugh. I want you to have fun. And I also want you to take risk and be vulnerable because it is a safe space, and that is when the magic's going to happen. So that is a very simple game. Um, as I said, there's hundreds of those on. on the website and and the best thing about these games kelly is that there's no resources required you don't need to go out and buy anything you can play them anywhere and they're so easy to instruct so for me mate that is the key i I think you should start everything with some form of game laughter and energy like that
1: yeah that's just awesome that little example too it's like uh now is it wrong of me to think how can we turn that into a drinking game because i was like
0: (laughs) Like, no, not at all, mate. Right, not at all.
1: Yeah. Okay. 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 I don't. I was. I wasn't. I was listening, but I was sort of drifting away. I'm like, how? <laughs> um, but even in the context of you know uh, leading a, a workout or running a, any time where you have a group of people together and you're trying to create a, a positive transition into the work. And for you, it's it's clearly the 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 workshop itself is probably play based and has that focus. But even just a transition from what what you've been doing, what you've been worrying on, worrying about potentially, to this this new thing that transition clearly would be a positive, happy one by doing that. You know that simple game, the the one, just the one that you just described. And I know there's many more. And there's one word that you can that came about in you describing that is the idea of taking risks and the idea of uh, even uh, risk in play. So. I know, and I know we talk a lot about it here in North America. It's starting to become a big part or starting. It's been a big part of the discourse for a while now is the idea of how risk has been sucked out of almost uh, uh, daily life for kids. Uh, The idea of helicopter parenting, bubble wrapping your kids, all these types of things. So tell me a little bit about that element and what you have observed and, and your expertise about including risky play. And what does that kind of look like In some of the games that you've got in this huge database and some of these uh, apps and, and, for example, these daily mission cards.
0: Yeah. And, and like you just said, uh, I don't think it's just kids that, you know, we, we, we've sort of slapped the risk taking out of them. I, I think adults as well. And um, point. one of the, yeah. the biggest things I do, Kelly, is when I roll in to do a workshop or a seminar or a keynote or whatever I'm doing that. Um, and it's the same as a classroom that they're always set up the same. There's always chairs in lines. There's always desks. They're always sitting facing the front. And the first thing I get everyone to do is I say, right, that chair you're on, can you please pick it up? And put it to the side of the room can you move the desk i don't want anything here i want a clear slate and for me even doing that mate you should see teachers faces See, um or in a workplace or wherever i am they they straight away don't know what to do because that's their safety blanket and it's exactly like our kids that is why playing games is so crucial because it allows us to get creative, it allows us to communicate, it allows us to socialise and it allows us to problem solve that we probably don't do as much now because our lives are so structured. You look, at, you look at young kids these days, they they go to school, They every hour, every minute of their day is structured and then after school, they've got all these clubs, they've got all these different engagements and if you can start with kids, they really need it but so do adults as well and you need to play every day because that allows you to reconnect with that creative creative problem solving. And as you just said, take risks.
1: And I don't know what, uh, like I'm not in physical education. I, I've never been a physical education teacher. I've obviously taken a PE in high school years ago and whatnot. And I don't know what it's been kind of like over the years with how, uh, risk is, is, uh, been managed and, and whatnot. But I mean, having a, a kid and I talk to people about this, sometimes I feel like I've got this, uh, this little answer key to do a lot of things that we're missing out on as adults. And part of that is the, the risky play of, you know, we have a playground in the courtyard near our home. And, um, you know, ever since, uh, my daughter has been a little kid and being able to, we've been very cognizant about allowing her to take risks, you know, we're watching, we're, we're, we're not, hovering over her, but we're allowing her to explore physical risks and let her set the boundaries of what she's comfortable with. How does not taking risks or removing that from the equation affect people maybe later on in life as they maybe become adults? For me, there's one big
0: word and it's resilience. And, um, without taking risk or being in situations that challenge you, then you, you don't have any resilience. And that's why I think we're finding such a big issue at the moment with mental health and well-being mm-hmm. on the increase, all these problems, because people get to a situation, they don't know how to deal with it. They're not resilient enough to problem solve or think creatively to get out of that. And what I'm finding is that when they leave school, that they don't, have the, the skills and mechanisms to, you know, have that resilience to overcome that boundary or that hurdle. And um, that's the power of risk, you know, if we if we don't allow people to have it. When, when the situation becomes really hard, Kelly, then they're not going to know how to deal with it. They're going to break down and we're going to have these issues. So it's crucial that we allow people to problem solve, that we allow our kids, particularly your young girl, that... You know, if she's going to climb on a monkey bar and fall off and break her arm, then um, I hope that doesn't happen, touch wood. But you know what I mean? Like she's not going to do it again because she's learned from it. And it's like kids, if we don't allow them to, you know, fail, make mistakes, then they're going to grow up and they're not going to be resilient. They're not going to be able to handle these issues in the future.
1: And there's so much, as you say, there's so much, so, much uh, so many learning opportunities for a young one and not adults too, but for a young one, particularly about that threshold, right? Of, of, uh, unsafe versus safe. And you can tell a kid, you know, for example, we, uh, you know, with, with, uh, my daughter here, we involve her in the kitchen and, and we let her play with play. I say, we let her use and it's under supervision, sharp things, hot things. And, you know, at one point, uh, she was flipping pan- pancakes in the pan. This is about a year ago. And, and she touched the side of the pan just with her finger, but, I could tell her a thousand times, don't touch the pan because it's hot. But she, in that one second, I didn't need to tell her anything. <laughs> no, it was done. And then you can, you can, it's observable what, how she adjusts after that, when she's got the spatula next time, how she adjusts, how she, you know, her technique and whatnot. But just like that, and oh, it was safe, and yeah, you know you burn yourself a little bit, and it does hurt, but then, you know these are really mild <laughs> what do they call them um learning wounds they someone <laughs> described them to me, you know you get these little learning learning wounds and and there's a lot of power in that, so witnessing that, I can see like, oh man, it's really important, so we try to do that as a conscious thing in our home and and allow her that space to do that safely still I mean obviously, I'm not letting her running around with uh with a knife and and that's where I got two dogs for one thing it would be uh it would be actually dangerous. I, you know, I, I have a story on social media that I've shared quite a bit recently. is, is a snorkeling story, <laughs> and, and I'm I've got a fear of open water, deep water, and I went snorkeling. Ironically, though, or coincidentally, I should say, not ironically, uh, a week later, I read a story online of someone who went snorkeling and was actually attacked by a shark. But I was in the Gulf of Mexico, oh, that's snor- so, so this—I'm this, glad I read the article after I was. Done, but I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Right? But I went out there, and you know, and I try to face a little fear, and take a little risk, and know I, I describe to people how beautiful it was to snorkel and how peaceful it was, but how vulnerable you end up feeling when you're in a situation that you know is really pushing boundaries. And sometimes we avoid vulnerability because it does feel a little bit awkward. But on the other side of vulnerability is some amazing stuff, some life-changing stuff.
0: Yeah, de- definitely. So, and and the best thing is that, how did you feel when you got out of the water? Obviously you, you enjoyed it, but you know, you'd face that. And I imagine the anxiety you were feeling, Kelly, during that would have been quite high. How did you feel once you would got out of the water and you'd actually achieved that?
1: Well, it was like, you know, I'd say like, I'm glad I did that. Was it easy? Absolutely not. And what, you know, would it be easier for someone else with, you know, sure. You know, I had a, a guy on, uh, uh, his name is Ray Zahab. Uh, who's a modern day explorer and he faces a lot of different things. And he says, you know, it's all relative to you. You know, you are really ass- setting what the challenge is and where your vulnerability vulnerabilities lie. And it's up to you how you want to explore those. And it's, but it's all relative to you. And so coming out of that, I was like, you know, jumping in on your own, there that was uh was challenging. When I got out, I was like, man I was like it was beautiful to snorkel to see the things that I really wanted to see because I love wildlife I love nature I love that and I said like I'm glad I did that was it hard absolutely will I do it again I think so but I'm gonna have a shark spotter for sure <laughs> now <that I've> read <laughs> <this>. <laughs> and of That's course it. the guy the guide who took us out even made a shark joke And I'm like you can't do that oh, <laughs> man, Not before I go in only when I'm out Oh, I think the best thing and what you just said there is that we
0: can't compare. Don't compare yourself to somebody else because what other people struggle with, you may find really easy. But like, for example, I wouldn't mind going snorkeling. I'd find that easy. But there'd be something else that you would find really easy that I would struggle with. And that's the problem that we compare like, oh, Kelly's okay with that or Dale's not. But at the end of the day, it's you need to be achieving these things for yourself. You need to be stepping outside your comfort zone, taking that risk, like you did to get the reward afterwards and thinking, oh, it's actually okay, because then next time you might go a little bit further, you might go a little bit further. And I think again, that's what adults we need to be leading by example. So then our kids become lifelong learners and that they're not going to have these hurdles that I can't go in the water, I'm scared, that they'll know how to deal with that risk and they'll be able to calculate it and move on and live a happy, healthy life.
1: Well, and I, you know, we may differ a little bit on how easy we think snorkeling is, but one thing we are, I think, singing from the same song sheet is how much uh, we both value play, being creative, trying new things. And I just want to commend you for how much effort and energy it's not lost on me how much work it takes to to develop the resources that you've developed. I I, I truly think they're amazing for you listeners out there. I'm gonna I'm gonna have some links in the show notes for you to go to check out. I just think that this is important work check it out. Follow Dale too on Instagram. I'm, I'm so glad that we uh, are pl- our paths crossed. I really enjoyed my time on, uh, on your podcast and I hope you enjoyed your time here today.
0: Thank you very much for allowing me to be on your show. And um, if people do have questions after this, please feel free to email me or get on Instagram or, or whatever it is because um, I'm always happy to help out. So Kelly, thank you so much, mate. You're a fantastic interviewer and I really enjoyed being on the show.
1: One final question, Dale. Have you done the burpees yet or is that the next thing on your
0: list? I have, mate. That's why when I answered, I was on. I'm up and about. I've had Dale time, and now I can allow myself for everyone else.
1: All right. There goes Dale Sidebottom. I'm a big fan of Dale and his work, obviously. Go check out his website, Fitness Game Zone. I've linked to that in the show notes, along with the daily mission cards that I mentioned. I admired the tenacity with which he's pushing the power of play in his work and creating all these simple tools to aid its inclusion in a variety of settings. It definitely gets some of the creative juices flowing, and it has so in my home for sure. Well, that's all for this episode. I'll be back next Friday, as usual, with another episode on the mental side of active living. I wish you a week ahead of motivating movement, and until next time, here's to living happily ever active. This episode of happily ever active has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more content on the mental side of fitness. Oh, and don't forget to rate and review the
0: show. See you next time.